Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. So guys, I've got a really wonderful conversation to share with you today. Um, I was joined by Joanna Forrest, who is an amazing singer, um, but she's got a wonderful story to tell as well. Um, you know, we, we spoke about quite a few different subjects I mean not just her you know not just her singing and how she studied into being a performer um but you know also about her battles with um with breast cancer as well and how she was one of the youngest people to have breast cancer a big diagnose of it and how that um and how that uh, affected her and you know get the journey that she went through that as well we talk about the the sad story about the policeman who was um stabbed last year and the you know and the song that she did in tribute for him. She tells us more about that. And, um, yeah, sadly, we recorded this the day after, actually, that um, Sir Captain Tom passed away. Uh, so we, we speak about Captain Tom a little bit and, um, you know, the work that he he did and the influence he was in a really dark time for the country. And, um, yeah, so, you know, after we record the conversation, I asked Joanna if she would mind sending a little song um, <laughs> for us to sort of play out with in tribute to... Um, Captain Tom. So, yeah, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode, and um, yeah, it's going to be a nice little surprise for you guys. A really wonderful song for you to listen to. Um, so, yeah, here's my chat with the wonderful Joanna Forrest. Okay, so how, so how you been doing over this last crazy year of uh, the COVID year? Well, it started off and like everybody, I was like, what is happening? This is like a crazy episode of Black Mirror. Like, what is going on? I think it all took us a while to get to get used to it. Now I'm a bit like, you know, I feel like it's actually not as strange in lockdown, is it? It's like we've got used to it in some strange way. Um, and this is, this is a bit like a, like a new normal, isn't it? Now I'm thinking because it's all looking much more positive and that, you know, the, thankfully it seems like they're doing a brilliant job with the, the vaccine rolling out. What's it going to be like when we're back out in the real world? I know. Socialising, being around loads of people. Is it going to be weird? Is it going to take us a while to get used to it? And, 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 and remember... Uh, we'll have to find our personalities again. <laughs> I know, yeah. I always think, like, when people are allowed to go out, like, on the drink again, like, in clubs and bars, but it's always going to be, like, a free-for-all. People are going to forget how to, like, behave and socialise almost. It's kind of... Everyone's just going to go a bit crazy, I worry. I think they might. I think yeah. it might calm down, but surely there'll be an element of that to start with. Yeah, no, I think so. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, how's it affected, I guess, your work and sort of going out there performing singing and stuff how's it how's that sort of changed for you so so, um live performances were just you know everything was cancelled and you know I was quite worried about you know what was going to happen in 2020 you know what was I going to do um 
However, I was really lucky and I had some amazing things professionally happen in 2020. Um, some of the, the best things of my career. So, which really surprised me because I was fully prepared for, you know, a lot of nothing. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, um, one of those was um, I did a collaboration with a lovely, lovely composer called Olga Thomas. And she's also my friend and she's such a lovely lady. I think that's why she's able to create these beautiful um, compositions. Um, and um, I collaborated with her on um, on Flowers on the Doorstep, it was called. And it got to number one in the um, iTunes classical chart. So that was that was lovely. Some good news for 2020. And then probably the thing I'm most proud of in my career, or definitely the most emotional and moving thing, certainly, of my career, was completely out of the blue. I was asked to create the music for... Matt Ratner, who was the policeman who tragically was killed um, in the line of duty at Croydon Police Station. And I have a mutual friend at East Winston Rugby Club. And she called me and she was like, Joanna, we need some music because he's been nominated uh, for Unsung Hero Award at BBC Sports Personality. I was like, that's mega. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, we need, um, we'd really love Welding Union. Um, is that something that you can do? So super quickly, um, my lovely friend Joel, who's very talented pianist, created an arrangement especially especially for Matt. Um, and we recorded it, I think it was like a few days later, um, just um, near where we live locally. Um, shout out to Loughton Sound Lab Studio, who, who got us in and supported us. Um, and we recorded it, and it was it was such a lovely feeling because Matt's partner she she really loved it, which makes me and Joel so incredibly happy. And it was played at his funeral. And then the rugby club um, created the Matt Ratner Rugby Foundation and wanted to use the song as a kickstart for the foundation. So like, let's release it. How do we do that? So luckily, because I've released music, I was I was able to help with that. And the amount of love for him was like overwhelming. And, you know, how much it just goes to show that music is very special and music can heal because it seemed to really, really help this immensely, hugely loved and popular man who was the absolute best of the best. It helped all those people in his life um, really, you know, go some way towards towards healing. And me and Joe were delighted that we could we could help him in that way. So it got to number one in the uh, classical singles chart. And uh, for me, this blew my mind because it was um, an independent release. Um, it went into the main chart as well, and it was. So exciting seeing it climb up the main chart. You were like, no way. Wow. And then it got to number 24, at, which just was amazing and wonderful. And it was really weird because I was talking with Joel about it. It's so sort of bittersweet because um, it just, you know, it, it shouldn't have had to have been made this song because it was in such tragic circumstances. But if it, it could be that something 
nice that helped people in a terribly tragic time then you know if we were really happy we could help and he won the unsung hero award at bbc sports personality which was hugely deserved and fantastic and amazing so that wasn't expected in 2020 the year that i was just sat at home <laughs> so um that was a surprise and i also tried new things so um last year i started to write a column so my favorite magazine is classical crossover magazine it's um a lovely magazine created like specifically for the genre of music I do. So obviously I find it like really interesting. Um, and I just had the idea, you know, start writing a column, which would be like a look into what is it like to be an independent artist? And I wanted to be really honest with the highs and the lows and everything in between. And like, I'm not a writer, but I just thought it's a subject that I do know about. So I'm going to give this a try. And I've really enjoyed it. Highlight, another highlight of 2020. So there have been some positives um, in amongst the the whole world appearing just to go completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that about writing as well, because I think lots of people assume that if, you, if you're going to write professionally in any kind of way where you know whether it be freelance or you know publishing or whatever it is that you kind of have to have a certain skill or be educated and, and you know really into your writing and that's all you know I'm a children's writer so for, for me when I was sort of looking mm. into that I kind of I kind of thought oh I can't do that I've not got yeah I, I wasn't like really academic at school or anything like that and know how to sort of write but I think if you enjoy writing something that's that's it I mean that's half the the, the battle I think it's just being really interested and enjoying what you're writing and now you, you're into it and you really enjoy it yeah yeah um I've, I'm enjoying um pushing what I write about as well I've started to get like a little bit braver with my subjects mm-hmm. as well yeah so yeah so, so that's something that was um a good thing about about last year and unexpected yeah, and so when you did the the song for the, the policeman, I mean, was that quite hmm. obviously very emotional? But was there quite a bit of pressure with that as well? It was it was very emotional because we wanted it to be right because it was just something so important. Um, and I really feel like as soon as I heard Joel's arrangement, I thought, yes, I I I think to me, I felt like he he'd arranged perfectly because um welding union usually you associate with like it's a this big huge sort of like stomping anthem but we paired it right down and I think it really works with just the piano and the voice and nothing more I didn't think it needed anything else and the day we recorded it we had um two of Matt's friends from the rugby club um come and watch and that was really emotional as well because we wanted it to be wanted it to be right for them, um, but we feel really pleased because everybody was, you know, really sort of touched by it and and really pleased with it. So that made us happy. Yeah, because obviously he was very big in the community as well, not just as a police officer, but I suppose he did a lot, as you say, in that rugby club environment. It was very thought of. Well, oh, massively! Yeah. He he did so much as um, as head coach at the rugby club and. The Rugby Foundation will 
um, is, is a brilliant legacy because they can continue with everything that he he started, all his hopes and dreams for the for the club. They it can continue now in his name, which I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to go back to your singing, when did you, I guess, first realise that you were pretty good at singing? <laughs> um, well, I always knew I enjoyed it. So um, I always used to sing around the house and on long car journeys. And I think I used to drive my family probably a bit mad sort of singing. Um, but I always knew I wanted to be a performer. But I really wanted to be an actress. And that's how it all started. And I did some research and I realised that what would give me a really sort of good start at it would, would be to go to a stage school rather than um, a normal secondary school. And so I asked my parents if I could audition. I did my research and said, I went to audition for the Italian Conti Academy. And they're like, what? What's that? Um, I don't come from a performing family at all um, in any way. So I think they were quite surprised. Um, I'd done sort of like acting like on a Saturday morning locally, but I was never sort of chosen at primary school to be the main part in shows or anything. Okay. Like it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, bit like, Not that you're bitter or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that I just think that, um, yeah, it didn't sort of occur to me to sort of like push myself or that, or that I, I could do it. Maybe I just knew I really enjoyed it. Then I really wanted it to like be my career. Um, so I remember my mum saying that, if I got in, then I could go. And she thought that that was fair because then it was, if I had a talent, then it was supporting me. Um, so that was the deal. And I was really lucky because I got in, which was amazing. And I did have to sing at the audition, but I didn't know whether, I knew I enjoyed it. I didn't know whether, I didn't know that I could sort of really sing, I guess, until I started to have the proper singing lessons at the school. Um but it was really only my focus singing um only a few years ago I thought I had an epiphany of it's the thing you like the most so just concentrate on it the most and I wish I'd thought of it earlier <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish it had been my focus before because I haven't looked back at all this is definitely what I meant to do and what I most enjoy and the path that I meant to be on like 100% but then maybe I wasn't, it, you know, maybe it's all about timings and it's it sort of all worked, all worked out. But um, after my training, I spent time doing musical theatre and plays and adverts. So it's only um, recently, it's been my focus. You said, I think, like, when did you know, like, you could really sing or something? Like, you always have, like... Like it's funny to do that because there's always that bit of doubt saying like you know like the imposter syndrome like can I can I but but um but yeah it's definitely what I should be doing yeah absolutely and so so what was your experience like at stage school because you know, I know a few people that've been to stage school and it seems like different people have different experiences some say it was like quite intense and they feel like I need therapy after they've left and then some people just like no I absolutely loved it so I mean what was your experience like at stage school. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've heard that too. I think um, drama colleges that you go to once maybe you've done your A-levels and you're slightly older, that sounds like sometimes that can be very intense. And I think when you go as a child and you're like 
11, um, it's all about building you up to give you confidence. Um, perhaps that did slightly change after sort of GCSE year, then you do like, you can do another three years there doing the musical theatre course. Perhaps that did change, but um, I feel when I talk to other people's experiences of school, that I got out of going to school. That's how I feel. It was it was brilliant. We got brilliant opportunities. Um, my friends are my friends from Italia Conti still. I got to go to school and do like really exciting things. Um, so I feel absolutely um, so lucky that I got to go. I know it wouldn't be for everybody, <laughs> but 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 for me, I feel. I feel really, really lucky. It, um, the downside is that it gives you huge, huge gaps in your um, academic learning because you only spend half the day. And to be honest, it probably changed now because this was obviously a while ago. It, but the emphasis was definitely on the vocational subjects rather than the academic subjects. It was like... Um, yeah, that they they definitely weren't as important, and you have to have that mindset of you know if you're really going to do it, then you just have to do it. You know, no plan B and that type of yeah. thing. Do you do you look back and but, wish that you had that more academic, or do you, are you quite happy that you avoided all all that? <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, actually, no, I don't. Um, you know. When I hear about people talk about, you know, university, there's definitely not a pang that I wish I would have been part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, um, not at all. I think the stuff that you really want to learn and that you're interested in, you pick up as you, because you're interested and you can always find out about stuff later, later on. And I think... um, you know gradually sort of me and my friends have sort of done that we've sort of filled in the gaps that we're interested in um so no I don't think so um I think uh sometimes I think me and my friends laugh about some of the um times that we had in the academic subjects and yeah I don't think I'd change it for the world (laughs) (laughs) that's fair enough and I suppose when was it you you first went on to the West End you were really young weren't you your first West End experience it was my first ever job so um I was 13 and it was yeah and it was Bernadette Musical and they came to our school and you know these things are quite harsh you'll sing in a line and sing happy birthday to start with and they start going no 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 and to my to my surprise, I got down to the end, and it was brilliant. After school finished, um, you'd you know there'd be a chaperone, and um, me and the other girls who were chosen, we'd get on the tube to the Dominion Theatre, which is one of the biggest in London. So that was exciting, and we'd get to do a show, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. One of the things that I always think is a little bit strange, though is and like sort of take some took some getting used to when I got a bit older is that um you sort of learn how to get a job as a child which is to you know in the audition you have to be like you don't talk and you look really interested 
and you really listen to what they say. You know, and those are the types of children who get these jobs, who look like they're going to be really well behaved, really honest. And you absolutely, you, you do what you are told. And even if you've got like a director or a choreographer who's really quite unpleasant and snappy, you know, or even might shout at you, you suck it up and you absolutely, your job is to do what you are told. And then when I got a bit older and I'd find other people going, oh, don't you think it'd be better if I stood over here? Or what about if I said it this way? I was like, oh my God, they're like talking to the director and like, answering back and like having discussions and if yes it's because they're not a child and it's because they're an adult and that they're working in a really sort of like normal way and so I think it makes you very sort of like mentality do what you're told and otherwise it's really bad you'll never work again nobody's gonna nobody's gonna work with you and you'll be like massively difficult and then you realize that there's a whole area between being you know really just doing what you're told and very you know engagingly and politely having a normal conversation about maybe something you think would work better or something that you don't quite understand that you need clarified so that was something I don't think is helpful working in the industry as a child you sort of keep the mentality all the things that you've learned I think yeah. As a, do you feel like you have to get quite thick-skinned earlier than you probably would as a 13-year-old, I suppose? Oh, yeah. Well, that's something that uh, we all learned really early on. That was something they did really well there, was they explained that if you didn't get a job, it wasn't anything you did. You could be not tall enough. You could have the wrong colour hair. Um, you could be too old-looking, too young-looking. Um, you just didn't look how they had in their mind's eye. We we totally, if we didn't get an audition, we sort of wouldn't blame ourselves because we were taught that, you know, it's very difficult. There's lots of people who went up for it and it just wasn't your time. You just weren't right for that part. Doesn't mean you're not going to be right for another part. So, yeah, they did that really well. I think, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, me and my friends who, who went to Italia Conti from 11, we are yeah we're very used to knockbacks it's just part oh, yeah. and part of our lives yeah. knockbacks and disappointments well, <laughs> e- even in you know I, I worked at Disneyland for two years and um they, mm. they go by oh my word in uh, in um in California oh, no, I did Paris I was just I did Paris but um so, but oh my god, I love Disney. Oh, yeah, well, Big Disney fan. Oh well, I I went to the. Or, 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 you see this Disney I Castle. I could see the castle. Me. Yeah, I did like love the Disney Castle. <laughs> uh, but uh, even just going to the the Pineapple Studios, and there was lots of people different auditioning. But you know, it, mm. Disney, it was very much what you look like. So I I got casted as Bert from Mary Poppins, and I was a bit younger. So so that was a great role to play. And but there there were people that were probably better dancers than me. I could do a bit of acting. I could do the bad Cockney singing. I could do all that okay. But um, there were people better dancers than us but they wanted me because I think they thought I looked the part a bit more than some of the really good shorter or dancers or you know not right in the face or whatever looking wise as Dick Van Dyke um and they you know and I got the position it was great but it is you know it's all these things where they it's not always a personal thing I suppose by getting jobs not getting jobs it's what they've got in their head at that particular time or the character etc 100% and sometimes it can really go your way like it mm. is with you yeah. and sometimes it just it just doesn't go your way mm-hmm. 
Now, what, so you're a big Disney fan? Do you, I guess, were you a Mary Poppins? I mean, Mary Poppins is obviously, going into Disney, I didn't really, Mary Poppins was okay, I didn't really watch it until, you know, but when I went into Disney and sort of experienced the whole Mary Poppins thing as Bert in the Mary Poppins show, I was like, wow, I think that's probably my favourite Disney film now, Mary Poppins. Well, I I was quite unusual because I didn't really see them when I was like the right age to see them. It's all sort of happened a bit a bit later. My like love of Disney, but me and my husband and his boys, we went to Disney and we went to Florida and we stayed in Disney in the resort and it was literally amazing. It was so good. It's such a happy, wonderful place, isn't it? It's it was so so good, and we still talk about it now. Definitely, we want to go back when we can, when we're allowed. That's definitely going to be one of the places that we go. In fact, my husband even um, you get these people who do like the live views, and they like walk along with their camera streaming it on YouTube, and they're like, right, I'm going to go on it's a small world right now, and then they like sit down, and you can see the rides. Uh, yeah, sometimes that's on the TV, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. Experience is something like right now, because we can't go there. It'd be great to watch someone in Disneyland, to be honest, at the minute, because it's not something that we can do at the minute. Um, but yeah, yeah. When, would you have a favourite Disney film, movie? I think Peter Pan is always my favourite, but that's because I did a lot of pantos um, over quite a few Christmas seasons seeing Wendy and Peter Pan so I do think it's the most special story out of all of them so I'd have to say that was that's my favourite yeah and did, have you covered many Disney songs I suppose with your, with your classical background like have you sort of like covered a few in your repertoire any Disney songs from the movies oh uh, yes absolutely yeah definitely um, I love singing Disney songs 100% and people always enjoy them, don't they? Um, so on my second album, my Rhythm of Life album, that was aimed at younger ears to introduce them to classical music. I knew that I wanted to do something sort of especially um, for children. Well, the whole family, but sort of, you know, geared towards children. And yes, we've got, we've got the epitome of what I think is the Disney song on there is When You Wish Upon a Star, which I absolutely love um we've got loads of oh, sort of classics on there Hushabye Mountain oh yeah yeah brilliant stuff yeah I've, I've, I mean even being in obviously being the Mary Poppins show the one song that when it gets got to the end of the performance that we would do I would be let's go yeah. fly a kite and people couldn't help but not smile at that song let's go fly a kite which is a great song <laughs> it's so popular so that is on my album as well oh, and brilliant. I'm very lucky because I have a wonderful duet partner, um, Andy Day, who is a CBeebies presenter. So he was the perfect person to sing it with me. And we've got a lovely animated video um, that goes with it. And yeah, and it's, it's such a great song. And when I do my school's workshops, my Rhythm of Life music workshops, Let's Go Fly a Kite is brilliant because all the children, they know all the words and they absolutely, Absolutely love it and we pretend that we're flying the kite and they get really into it so it's it's still magical isn't it yeah. like it will never lose its magic i think for, for adults for adults as well it's just one of those things you can't help but kind of tap your foot and smile to you can be having a rubbish i remember going through st pancreas station once and not particularly the best day and there's a piano there in st pancreas station isn't there 
and um, and someone was playing it and did the Let's Go Fly a Kite, and you just couldn't help but it. smile, but you're thinking, oh, that's so nice just to hear that song. Just uh, this uh, old bloke on the piano singing um, Let's Go Fly a Kite. Yeah, just a, a really nice song. And everyone around him was just smiling. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it does make you smile. Disney makes you smile. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, were you a big musical theatre fan as well, I suppose, before you sort of had your experiences yeah. on stage? Yeah. yeah, so that was really what Italia Conti um, at the time was gearing their students up for. So, yeah, I mean, things like um, we took my husband's boys to see Miss Saigon and it's like, hugely nostalgic for me because that is me at lunchtime like acting it out with my friends who's going to be Kim who's going to be Ellen and like battling it out and then singing it's really part of like my growing up those those big shows like name is you know I I do know all the words so I know the words to a lot of musicals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love musicals. It's so heartbreaking um, that the theatres are shut right now. Yeah. Um, Do you worry about still, the future, I suppose, of them? Like, post-COVID? Like, I mean, you, you never would have thought that, if you, you know, this time a year ago, you would have sort of said, well, you know, there's going to be no theatre for pretty much... I mean, by the time it's all finished, it could be like 18 months going on two years before we get full houses of theatre again. Um, I mean, do you worry about... I mean, they'll always be there, the theatre, but I mean, the people that work there and the smaller theatres, the regional theatres, do you, I mean, do you worry about the future of them? Um, I think the the really big producers I think they'll be okay but it's all the sort of the independent smaller like you said regional theatres massively worry I think I think it's been like a huge disaster and it's and and really tragic and I really hope that it will get back on its feet um I really really do because theatre is, is so special um even though it probably hasn't felt like it's been prioritised, you know, with all the um, when they're sort of making their economic plans, um, which is which is which is so sad because, um, well, I obviously think theatre is amazing because, like, I've worked in theatre and I think it's sort of you know a different kind of magic to film because you're there experiencing it. Um, you know, there's, there's moments that I remember being an audience member that I still remember because it, it gave me goosebumps or, you know, you see somebody's performance in a play, you, sort of, you know, it really resonates with you and you think about it afterwards. Um, so I'm really hoping that when we are allowed that it will get back on its feet, but then, you know, when we'll be will be allowed. Like if you just said to me this time last year that we'd still be in this position, I would have been really surprised. Because there were things that cancelled and when it was like, you know, it's locked down in March, it's like, oh, I'm sure by the summer it'll be okay. And then I'm sure by, you know, the autumn it will be okay. And then it just, we had the second wave and now 
I, mean, I know, yeah. It's we're, just we're still here again. Yeah, I thought I thought after the first lockdown, it'd be like okay, the summer in September. By September, things will be back to normal. That was kind of my my thinking, and I'm not you know not the most overly positive person, but even me, I was kind of like yeah, by September this will be fine. You know, October, Christmas, and it's just like we're still in this position where we're like, you know, we're just getting all this negative news, and you know, I mean, there was awful news about. Uh, Sir Captain Tom uh, yesterday, you know, because that was, I think, the one piece of the one piece of good news that was from 2020, and then having, oh, no. yeah. yeah, just seeing him do that, go out of his way to do something like that, and then uh, having him uh, passed away recently, you know, it's just sort of a bit of a come down from that. But you know, I guess you we just got to remember that what what he's managed to do for the NHS is incredible. Oh gosh, what an incredible man! Um, it, was, it was so desperately sad, and he he touched the whole nation. You can tell that everybody is genuinely like so sad because he was so lovely and represented some hope and made us all smile. And it was really fun and exciting watching his money go up, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like well, you know, like wow, like he's on this million, and now he's on this million. It was. It was something really lovely. Um, yeah, he was like a ray of positivity in amongst like the continuous bad news of last year. So I think you're right. I think I think it is definitely yeah, like really sad and the come down. And um, but I, I absolutely think he is going to be remembered, isn't he? No one's going to mm. forget him. No, no, absolutely. It was even just nice being out there, giving him a clap uh, at six o'clock earlier today. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, when when you you went through some uh, trauma when you were twenty one, wasn't it? You had you found that that you had cancer. I mean, that must have been really at such a young age to find that out. How do you sort of process that at twenty one? Yeah, it was it was so strange, and I think. Um, I think at that time, I often think, what would it be like now if I was 21 going through something like that? And I think it would be really different Um, because um, I'm a um, bubet for Copperville, which is an amazing, amazing breast cancer awareness clarity. I sort of follow some like fellow bubets on Instagram and Twitter and Twitter. there are so many positive things about social media for something um, like as awful as cancer that is positive because um, you get people who are so open with maybe what does their treatment consist of. They might even be doing an Instagram story on their chemotherapy day. And I think if you're a bit sort of nervous and worried about what it might mean and what's in store, you've got all these people to connect with who you can look at and go oh yeah like there's a whole Instagram story about this person talking about side effects from the exact things that I'm on I think that's like really amazing like I I was obviously um, diagnosed before the internet was I, I say before the internet but it was before the internet was like in people's homes you know there wasn't any smartphones and people didn't have laptops and you had to go to the library, which is just like so, like not how we do things now. To find out information, you'd be given leaflets and um, 
really old school. So I think one of the things I just thought wrongly that I was the only one who had ever got breast cancer at 21. I know it's like very, very rare and it's, it is unusual, but I now know that I felt like that, but it wasn't actually, it was just because you can't connect with people, you know, and you just have a lot of older women wherever you go for your appointments and, um, you know, people are like, oh gosh, you're so young, aren't you? It's like, yeah, no, I don't mind that thing. Um, but now I know that um, there's so much more support, so much more talked about. Just wasn't really talked about. Now it's like massively talked about all the time. I mean, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is huge. It's amazing now. Get so much coverage. People are really like, you know, talking about what are the signs and symptoms. And just think the awareness is amazing now which is absolutely fantastic um and I think anyone going through it now won't sort of feel like um they'll have like a whole community to sort of answer questions and and help them um for me it was just like this unknown world um of not really sort of knowing um what what was in store um and I also had this feeling as well which is completely different now attitudes have so changed that if I sort of was very sort of vocal about it I'd never get a job again because people would be like oh yeah we can't know like can't you know I can't employ her because she might all of a sudden not be very well then where would we be then I had um an agent at the time gave me that advice as well. Um, yeah, I know, I know. Well, she just said that she had this um, 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 actor who was her sort of bread and butter older man character actor, and he had a heart attack, and nobody wanted to employ him. And she said it just, you know, it's so tough out there. Why would you um, make it even harder for yourself? I think it was probably done with the best intentions, but it made me feel like it was something, oh, I should never reveal about myself, you know. Um, and then one of my um, one of my dear friends who I'd done panto with, um, who, she is Mr. Starling, a magical mermaid when I was Wendy. Um, she wanted to talk to me because um, she was... Um, she's been uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and I realized how much I was like helping her by really sort of telling her everything and then it sort of made me think this isn't this you know you maybe you had the wrong ideas about this you know if you can if you can help somebody then that is a good thing and then when I got involved with being a boobette, that is all about sharing your story to young people To I mean, now we're doing them virtually over Zoom, but that's like going into schools and literally with a presentation, sharing your story in the hope that they will check themselves and to make it more relatable because you say like, this is, this is my story. Um, and, and I think it does like a lot of, a lot of good to help raise, raise awareness definitely um but at the time I think I sort of dealt with it 
by just trying to just sort of get on with it really without sort of telling too many people without sort of shouting about it mm. and it must be really hard to just, keep to yourself though like too much I mean obviously to your very close family and friends but it must be hard mm. to, to keep something like that you know inside I think so I think so um and I think it was definitely um it was, it was also, I think, because it's talked about more now, people have a more sort of normal reaction to it. And I think when you're going through something and you haven't got, like, much energy, you don't want to make other people feel comfortable because you're going through something uncomfortable. So, you you know, oh, like, oh, God, like, you know, that's that's so awful. Da-da-da. And you don't, no, yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm just sort of da-da-da. Do you know what I mean? You just don't feel like you want to use that your little energy that you have on making other people feel okay. But then, you know, everybody has their own way of dealing with these things, I guess. But I I do think that it's the, you know, I even wrote a column the other day about social media for a classical singer, friend or phone. That was more about, like, weirdo trollers. But um, in some things, I think, I think social media is amazing. And I think those kind of communities to help people and shed some light on things is amazing it 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 really is and i think um you know all the all the people going through it now who are very sort of open and sort of sharing it i think i think like that's that's really fantastic that's going to be really sort of helping people but like professionally i think it took a while for me to get my confidence back because um you sort of feel like you're really like um not part of it anymore really when you've taken a step back and I think also you have to you have to have a level of being in the right headspace to audition um because you have to you want to walk in as your best self so I think it took a while for me to get back to that but I knew that I wanted to somewhere like it would have been easy to just gone it's a really difficult thing to do I did it but I've been on like done western plays I've done western shows already like you know brilliant da, 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 da. like is it a huge mountain to climb whatever but I just knew that I really wanted to do it still so um I started off by having um by going back to singing lessons and then luckily for my confidence the first audition that I went back and did I actually got so that was good so then that sort of started me on the road again that's great yeah that's that's, yeah. that's amazing I mean, when you when you say you go around schools and, and things like that like do you is is there part of you that gets kids into classical music as well because I guess for kids they when they hear the words classical music they kind of think oh that's not really for me but is there a way that you get young people into that they totally think that and yeah. they they um and, and it's a shame. I think it's not just young kids. I think it's like a lot of people think that. Because you say the word classical music and they're like, oh, no, that's not for me. But um, you might say, oh, you watched a film last night. Did you like the soundtrack? And you'd be like, yeah, it's really lovely. But that was classical music or orchestral music. Or it could be um, like if you're playing a computer game, there could be like an amazing soundtrack that really makes the experience better for you. Um, so, yeah, I really... Um, felt like 
I wanted to create something that would show how sort of fun classical music was. So, yeah, I go to schools and I do my Rhythm of Life workshop, which is like, in, like take my little PA system and it's interactive. And this is for like, uh, like fairly young. And we learn about rhythm. We learn about listening out for words tiny little routine to, to, to you know to listen out for certain parts of the song um and we use the music from my rhythm of life workshop and from my rhythm of life album for the workshop and my favorite part of the workshop is is that um the last song that we do is Hasha by mountain and um i say to them that music can paint pictures in your mind like when you're reading a really or you're being read to a really good book and you see the characters in your mind music can absolutely do that as well and that's what orchestras are doing they're, they're painting you this beautiful picture so I ask them to sort of settle down and shut their eyes and take some breaths and just see where does the music take you like a daydream that inspired by the music and then when the song finishes I ask them to put their hands up and you know like what did you what did you see and it's so cute it's all really random and really different yeah. it's lovely yeah that's, that's great like, we might get one yeah like one going I saw mummy <laughs> oh that's really nice maybe or maybe someone was or another child was playing with their dog but it's all sort of really like happy things that they that they feel and I just hope it's that that thing of letting music inspire you and really listening to it and and it's so sad that not every school gets to have you know it 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 can't be helped unfortunately but not every school has you know a music department um I think that's I think that's really sad um not every child can have extracurricular music lessons and I also think it's not even about like children being, um, you know, they don't even have to be particularly musical in any way. I mean, you know, I did art at school and I absolutely cannot draw to save my life or paint or anything like that. So I understand it's like a creative thing. And it sort of opens your mind up to other things. And I feel like music is, is absolutely like that. and can help with other subjects. And help with children's well-being as well. And um, so, yeah, I haven't been able to do that for a while going to the schools because of... Yeah, that's the, the same with me, going, uh, going around schools, doing the reading and writing stuff. Yeah, I've definitely missed that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great, great for you to get back on the road and do that. I'm, I'm sure you've been missing to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, but who knows when? Who, well, well, we'll end on a positive note. It, it'll be, it'll be soon. It'll be this year, and by the end of the, it'll be soon. It'll be soon. It'll be soon, and by this time in a few months, we'll be saying, "Yeah, I'm back doing the things that we love to do." <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, let's put it out there into the universe. Yes, it's, gonna it's out there. It's <laughs> going to happen, and we'll be able to go see to Disneyland again soon and have our like, Disney experiences and theatre. <laughs> uh, but yes it's been great talking to you today Joanna and look forward to seeing more of your music coming forward thank you so much it's been lovely to talk to you thank you
yeah, I want to thank Joanna so much for coming on there. And um, as I was saying, you know, at the beginning of the episode, um, you know, we had the sad news about Captain Tom that sadly passed away recently. Um, we recorded the episode the day after Captain Tom had passed away. And, um, you know, I wanted to pay tribute to him. And I felt the best way we could do that was to have Joanna sing um, a wonderful song in honour of his memory. So, and we I had to think about what song would be appropriate for her. And I, a couple, I threw a couple of suggestions um, Joanna's way. And, um, yeah, and we both decided this would be the perfect song. So here it is, Joanna Forrest, in memory of Captain Tom, singing Smile. is aching smile even though it's breaking when there are clouds in the sky you'll get by if you smile 